Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to another edition of the Pens Cast. I am your host, Garrett Bahanna. As always, alongside me is the fellow contributing writer over at pensburg.com, co-host of the Pens Cast and the Pens Cast Mailbag. It is Robbie Noggle. Robbie, we're doing we're doing some things a little bit differently tonight as we record this on the evening of June 28th. We are recording live, not live streaming, unfortunately, maybe sometime in the future, but we are recording live. As the NHL draft is taking place, Connor Bedard is a member of the Chicago Blackhawks. And uh, as we wait for the Penguins to pick at number 14 overall, we have some news to talk about. Earlier in the day, Kyle Dubas, president of hockey operations, making his first real mark with the Pittsburgh Penguins as the Penguins acquire Vegas Golden Knights Stanley Cup champion, a, a Vegas original forward, Riley Smith for a 2024 third round draft pick. A 32-year-old winger who, like I mentioned, spent the last six seasons with the Vegas Golden Knights. He's in the second year of a three-year contract worth $15 million and will have a cap hit of $5 million over the next two seasons. He recorded 26 goals, 56 points in 78 games this season. Uh, Robbie, we were texting you and I back and forth the moment that this news dropped earlier this afternoon. To me and to you and to seemingly everybody else, this seems like this was a move that was made as Kyle Dubas knows the future and the future may be without Jason Zucker in a black and gold sweater. What were your immediate thoughts on the acquisition of uh, Riley Smith from the Vegas Golden Knights? Well, for one, it definitely came as a bit of a shock uh, to me. First, it was kind of a trade that you didn't even really hear much about. And then all of a sudden, boom, Kevin Weeks breaks the news and that is confirmed. 
uh, pretty much across the hockey world. And uh, the first thought is, is it goes to Jason Zucker. And it definitely seems like Riley Smith is the Jason Zucker replacement. And really, if you look at what the projections were for uh, Jason Zucker's next contract, it very well could be that Riley Smith is the cheaper option and definitely more than likely the uh, shorter term option as well. He is 32, um, but he, he was a huge part of not only the Golden Knights success this year on the way to the cup, but really the Golden Knights success since um, their founding. He is an original. He was one of the six uh, original Golden Knights members left. Um, he won the cup this year. He actually scored uh, what ended up being the game winning goal. Um, against the Florida Panthers in game five. He is a seasoned veteran. He has plenty of playoff experience and he does a lot of what Jason Zucker does. He maybe is not as good as good defensively, but he does not take penalties. He is great on the Russian in transition, exactly what Mike Sullivan wants. And from everything that we kind of saw and read after this trade came out, this seems like a very, very Kyle Dubas kind of move. And Kyle Dubas, again, Vegas was one of those teams that was pressing against the cap. Now, they did turn around and spend that money, save very quickly in signing Ivan Barbashev uh, to a five-year deal. But to make that deal work, they had to move money out. And they did so with Riley Smith, and the Penguins were the beneficiary of that at the very low cost of uh, just a 2024 third round pick so this is not even a pick um they have to worry about next year or this year uh so the penguins will retain their third round pick uh for now at least in uh this 2023 draft that's currently uh on night one i think overall just a a very smart move by kyle dubas a move that you expect out of a guy that knows what he wants to do and it seemed very very clear that uh, when he had that that press conference on Friday that he knows that there's teams up against the cap that are going to have to be getting rid of a very good player or very good players. And he took advantage of that with the Vegas Golden Knights getting Riley Smith. And from what we've seen of Riley Smith, he's not an unknown. Um, he's going to be a 50, 60 point guy. And one of the key factors is, is he may not be as good as Jason Zucker, but if there's one place where he is maybe an upgrade for sure, it's that he has been healthy uh, outside of a little bit last year when he was uh, sidelined with an injury. He stays on the ice and he produces. And for what the Penguins are looking to do, that's the kind of guy they need. And again, uh, as you're listening to this, again, we are we are switching things up here, doing things uh, a little bit differently than we normally do as we continue to uh, monitor the draft almost in real time. Uh, as we speak this to you on the evening of June 28th, 2023, the St. Louis Blues, uh, I believe the pick is in for the St. Louis Blues and they have just made it. Again, we are waiting to see what Kyle Dubas will do with the 14th overall pick. But uh, Robbie, going back to continuing to talk about Riley Smith and the potential impact, you mentioned it. Uh, this is a guy that's going to pot you probably anywhere from 20 to 25 goals, 50 to 60 points. That is very much top six production. I think he will slot in very nicely alongside of Guinea Malkin. You mentioned he has the ability to drive play. Looking at some of his advanced metrics, he has a career 
Corsi, 4% of 56%, a career Fenwick, 4% of 55.6%. Those two statistics are not the be-all, end-all, but they can give you a pretty good idea of how well a player is with puck possession. Anything over the 50% threshold means that a player is typically a pretty positive player when it comes to puck possession, handling the puck on his stick, driving it into the offensive zone, and that is what Riley Smith is. Overall, uh, again, the, the contract is what it is. You're basically, like you said, Robbie, switching Jason Zucker and his what was his cap hit for Riley Smith, which is a little bit cheaper than what Jason Zucker's cap hit was throughout the 2022-23 season. But you look at where Smith's contract ends, and he has this year and next year, which at 32 years old, it will it will be uh, it will be an older contract, an older forward on this team. However, Robbie, one of the news nuggets that also was starting to rumble today is that the Penguins are reportedly trying to get younger, even as they acquire forward Riley Smith. Allegedly, the Penguins and Kyle Dubas are looking to shop Jeff Petrie, who was acquired last summer uh, by former general manager Ron Hextall. Robbie, what do you make of, of, of this news that the Penguins are looking to get younger on the blue line, potentially looking to flip Jeff Petrie, who in and of himself has a very expensive contract for other teams to possibly take on? Yeah, I don't think that should really surprise uh, anyone. Uh, we discussed it since the season ended that a defenseman is probably going to get moved. Uh, Brian Dublin uh, was standing because he's a free agent and likely going to be going anywhere. But of the under contract uh, defenseman, you kind of figured that Jan Ruda, Jeff Petrie, and Marcus Pedersen were going to probably be the three biggest names. Um, I don't think Pedersen, given what he does and what Kyle Dubas wants to do, I don't think Pedersen uh, is at this point unlike past off seasons, a trade block type candidate, but Jeff Petrie and Ron Ruda um, both have term left on their contract. Uh, but Jeff Petrie, obviously the oldest, it didn't look great in Pittsburgh this year, but I don't chalk that all up to him just having lost that much of a step. I think a part of it was simply was simply that the injuries and the new system, he just never had a chance to fully acclimate, not to say that he was perfect by any means, or he's completely, um, free from fault. But I, I think if the, the trade is there, uh, San Jose was the team that was mentioned the most. Again, that clears off a massive chunk of salary and you wouldn't really have to give up in like a Granlin type trade where you probably have to send an asset to get the contract to be taken. I think Petrie would be traded as a, in a hockey trade, one piece for another. And if San Jose is willing to bargain then I think that's someone you're willing to sit down at the table with and try to make a deal with and kind of maybe get out out from under that contract number because that's a massive, massive number that suddenly becomes very, very useful for the Penguins uh, in search of rebuilding this roster. And uh, Jeff Petrie, getting rid of him, does help you get younger at the same time. I mean, he's over – he's 35 or 34, 35 – he is a right-handed defenseman, which unfortunately does kind of suck, but it is what it is. He is 35. He has two years left on a contract that pays him $6.25 million annually against the cap. So imagine what you can do with that space when you're trying to fill out your bottom six. And one of the names coming back was uh, goaltender Capo Kakonen. Uh, he's only 26. 
He has one year left on a, on his contract, uh, and he only costs $2.75 million. So definitely something to keep an eye on as we go through these next few days, or even tonight, who knows. But uh, Jeff Petrie is the big name that was kind of floated out there, so it'll be interesting to see what Dubas wants to do uh, with that, if he can get that moved and off the books. Let's just, we'll recap this the beginning of this draft here real quick uh, while we're at it here. So obviously, number one, uh, Connor Bedard, Garrett, I can't say that. Either of us are surprised by that pick. Uh, we had known this ever since the, the Chicago Blackhawks won. We're fortunate enough to win the draft lottery. Connor Bedard has been a junior phenom and really has been expected to become something of a superstar. He has been given these mega, ultra, high-pressure labels, much uh, much like Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby, Alex Ovechkin before him. This is just the latest in a line of prospects coming into the NHL with with massive pressure, but also superstar potential. So I can't say I'm thrilled that Connor Bedard is uh, is a Chicago Blackhawk, but he is not in the Metropolitan Division, which we will get to momentarily as some of the better prospects have found their way into the Metropolitan Division. But yes, Connor Bedard... Connor Bedard is officially a member of the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, number two, Leo Carlson, the center, who was playing some wing over in Sweden. Uh, but the Ducks get uh, another another center to go alongside uh, Trevor Zegras. I, I wonder, Robbie, if Carlson, if they but maybe shift him to wing. I don't imagine you're going to. I mean, you could deploy. You could deploy Zegras, Carlson. I think there's another center. They have another young center in there, too. Either way, it's another high-impact forward for the Anaheim Ducks. It was widely assumed that Bedard was going to go number one, but really, in the top five of this draft, uh, there is a lot of star potential. And I mentioned the Metropolitan Division earlier. Pick number three belonged to the Columbus Blue Jackets. They take the Michigan man out of the Big Ten, Adam Fantilli. Robbie, outside of Rick Nash, I'm struggling to really think of like an impact player the Columbus Blue Jackets have had during their franchise history. This is this is going to be a stud, and I would imagine myself and thousands of other Penguins fans are likely going to be throwing fits for the next 15 years watching a player yeah. like Fantilli yeah. in Columbus. So a, a lot of centers have been taken so far in the top 10. Uh, but yeah, and I, I, I did mention Columbus. I can't stop. I'll give you the mic after I mention the Philadelphia Flyers at number seven, take the highly touted a Russian, arguably the second best player in this draft, Matt V. Michkov. He has signed a three-year deal with SKA St. Petersburg. So it may take a couple of years for Michkov to get over to the NHL, a la Kirill Kaprizov did with the Minnesota Wild. But boy, if Mishkov does come over and wear that Philadelphia orange Robbie. It could be even more bad news for the Metropolitan Division and especially the Pittsburgh Penguins. So, Robbie, I'll hand it over to you uh, as we continue to march through the beginning of this first round of the draft. What, what are some of your thoughts seeing some of these big name prospects taken to some teams that we as Penguin fans don't like to root for? Yeah, so safe to say there's uh, at least three names in this in these first eight picks that the Penguins fans are going to want to read up on for, for the future here. Adam Fantilli being the first, as you mentioned, um, center from the University of Michigan. Uh, they did say on the broadcast he does have the option to go back to Michigan 
uh, next season and develop more, but that decision has not been made. So um, if we don't have him in Columbus this year, uh, I would expect him um, easily uh, to be in Columbus for the 2024-25 season. So um, great player, had a great world championships with Team Canada. And yeah, going to be a pain in the butt for Penguins fans for a long time. But I, Penguins fans, I guess we can't complain too much given all the draft luck we've had in the past. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, it's it, it sucks on being on the other side of it, but um, such is life, I guess, when uh, when it comes to like this. Um, San Jose Sharks, just out of just because I thought this was funny, they drafted uh, a center uh, off the U.S. Uh, under-18 team, the national development team. His name is Will Smith, and he actually walked up on stage with uh, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air uh, playing in – uh, as his walk-up song. So, uh, and he kind of said in his post, uh, post-draft interview that uh, he definitely did it on purpose, and he even sung the song on ESPN's uh, broadcast. So, good sport there. After that, though, Medvey Michkov, I really thought Arizona might take it uh, and spoil that. Actually, I thought Montreal might spoil it, um, and they kind of went a completely different direction with a defenseman out of Europe. Um, but Arizona took a Russian, but not uh, Matvey Michkov. He goes to Philadelphia. I guess fingers crossed that he plays out that three-year deal with SKA St. Petersburg of the KHL. And obviously there is some geopolitical issues to sort out there as well. But he has all the, the, the makings of an absolute stud, uh, a potentially pivotal point in Flyers franchise history. And I think that like we don't want to see the Flyers do good. But I think you and I can both agree, uh, Garrett, that when the Flyers are good, that rivalry feels a little bit like a real rivalry rather than the Flyers being kind of at the bottom feeder these last couple of years. I think that we both can agree that that rivalry is more fun when both teams are good. I, I immediately, as soon as you said that, I immediately thought back to the pictures in my head of the 2012 playoff series. And oh, although that did, that did not obviously end well for the Penguins, but uh those teams were very much deserving of the position that they were in, in that postseason. Uh, Claude Giroux, the Claude Giroux, Sidney Crosby rivalry, uh, the passing of the baton, how infamous that became mm. on social media. Yes, I, I agree. I love beating the Philadelphia Flyers by seven to two every night. And yeah. I, I will, for as long as I live, I will gladly beat the living bejesus out of the Flyers for as, as long as, as long as we can. But you know, it's, the Flyers are going to be very openly entering this rebuild with a lot of new faces in that front office. New general manager Danny Briere, former Flyer, really spearheading that charge along with President uh, Keith Jones. He was a former Flyer at one point, turned into a broadcaster. Now he's in the front office again. Um, but yeah, we see the Flyers and the Penguins. The Flyers are embracing the rebuild and looking to get younger. They know these next three years with Michkov in Russia and very likely possibly not coming over until that three-year contract is fully complete, given the geopolitical situation that you mentioned with the with the war in Ukraine right now. Uh, so we know the Flyers are going to be bad in the short term. Three years from now, will the Penguins be entering a rebuild? three or four years from now, whereas three or four years from now, the Flyers could be coming out of their rebuild and it could be a switch of fortunes in the Metropolitan Division. We'll see, obviously, it's going to take a few years for us to get a clearer picture and a fuller grasp of what 
new president of hockey operations, Kyle Dubas, wants to do. But yeah, absolutely, I agree with you. The, the the better the Capitals are, better the Flyers are. Those are the Penguins' two main rivals. The better they are, the better hockey it creates. And as as we sit here and wait for pick number fourteen, I'm filled with cautious optimism. Because, Robbie, it feels like we finally have a guy in Kyle Dubas who knows what he wants to do. He knows the way he wants to go about accomplishing his goals using data and analytics. And looking at the draft board right now, seeing some of the big names who are still on the board, it has me excited. The Penguins have not picked as of 8.35 Eastern time, but uh, they are going to be on the clock right after the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, Buffalo Sabres are on the clock right now as we wait, Robbie. But yeah, this this is going to be a pivotal time. You mentioned it. It's going to be a franchise-altering time for the Flyers, but also this is going to be a franchise-altering time for the Penguins as now we get into the meat and potatoes of the NHL offseason. A lot's going to happen in these next few days starting tonight, and it kind of it already has started for the Penguins and a few other teams. I mean, the Riley Smith trade was a significant move i mean it wasn't a bottom six move that is a top six move with the idea that they know jason zucker has likely priced himself out of pittsburgh and that is hey that's business and that's completely fine and jason zucker is going to be missed in pittsburgh either way but i am thrilled with riley smith uh in pittsburgh and a tweet that i saw come across my feed when the Riley Smith trade was made was it basically it's from Vinny Bats at Vinny Bats. Uh, the promising thing about the Smith trade is that it clearly shows some semblance of actual logical of, of an actual logical plan from the front office. Uh, and then in quotes, he said, we think Zucker may be a risky long-term deal. So we'll target a similar production on a less risky contract. And I think that spells it out perfectly. We don't know exactly what Riley Smith will do in Pittsburgh. Obviously we'll find out in a couple a couple months, but it shows that there is some kind of plan, not just in Kyle Dubas's head. He knows what he wants his team to be. He brought in a Mike Sullivan type player, a player with experience, a player at pedigree, a player that can produce at a at or near the level of Jason Zucker. And that is exactly what the Penguins need leading the ship right now. And it really seems like the fortunes have shifted. The winds have shifted in Pittsburgh. Uh, I believe Buffalo just picked one of the guys that the Penguins were possibly targeting, but that's neither here nor there. But um, the Penguins are now on the clock. But it's so fresh to see a front office with an actual vision and a plan uh, leading these Pittsburgh Penguins. So, Robbie, you, you did mention it. The Buffalo Sabres, the pick is in. They take Zach Benson, a left winger out of the WHL, a winger that we had briefly talked about, again, uh, not with super in-depth prospect analysis, but one of the players that could have been there, I believe uh, I believe that's Sam Ventura's territory, former uh, front office member of the Pittsburgh Penguins, now in Buffalo, 18-year-old Zach Benson from British Columbia, now going to the Buffalo Sabres. There are still some pretty solid names for the Penguins to pick. Players like Quentin Musty, Matthew Wood, Gabe Perot, Oliver Moore. These are players that we briefly touched upon in some of the prior mailbag episodes that we've done. Really, I would be pretty pretty uh pretty satisfied with whoever the penguins take at this point if i had to give you a specific player i would want them to take it would probably be uh gabriel perot 
I think looking at some of the analytics from some of the scouts and some of the people who put this kind of scouting content on Honky Twitter, Perot certainly seems like he has the ability to become an impact top six forward. But yes, we are now waiting as we sit here, 8.40 p.m. Eastern time, waiting for the Penguins to make their pick, pick number 14, which is the highest first-round pick the Penguins have had since 2012. Yes, we wait and see what the pick will be. And basically, whoever they pick here, assuming they don't go far off the board, will automatically become their best prospect in the system, which I know is not saying a lot, but this isn't just another draft. This draft is this draft is legitimately 20, 25 players deep at the very top. Um, for potentially getting a future superstar type player. And uh, the Penguins have a great opportunity here, assuming they don't completely go crazy in the next five minutes and trade this pick. But it certainly seems like they're going to make the pick. So we will give our reaction as soon as they announce it. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. All right, so the pick is in, and the Penguins take forward centerman Braden Yeager from Moose Jaw in the WHL. Pretty much whoever the Penguins picked filled uh, a need within the organization because uh, it was uh, so it was it the, that draft pool that talent pool was so depleted. So um, he basically uh, jumps to uh, the top of their prospect poll. So you'll be hearing a lot about him uh, here in uh, the coming uh, days and weeks um, as um, he'll be at the prospect camp uh, in July. I'm almost sure of it, but again, not a guy that's going to be in the NHL within the next uh, two or three years. This is all building for the future. And um, yeah, so it seems like early returns from people that uh, study it are a little uh, shocked. Um, He kind of went off the board, but I think overall, um, he definitely jumps to the top of uh, the Penguins prospect board. Um, Patrick Bacon, uh, who does player cards, uh, Braden Yeager ranked 24th overall. Uh, he said Yeager's scored at a solid but not elite rates in the Western Hockey League over the past couple of years. He's a very valuable prospect, but feels like a bit of a reach compared to the level of other players that were available. So uh, take that as you will. Jesse Marshall has... Yes. Uh, tweeted uh, he has given some uh, early early analysis on the Jaeger pick he says quote Jaeger has lots of talent offensively he has a little ways to go on defense and I don't think his movement away from the puck is good enough just yet Jesse says we'll spend a lot of time talking about the deep offensive toolbox there's lots to like there and Jesse claims that Jaeger could be potentially the third best shooter in this draft class. So one of the things I was reading that Jaeger uh, may have been something of a reach at 14, but he does have an NHL ready shot and his shot could be the best asset he has at his current level right now at just 18 years old. Yeah. So obviously uh, a lot of development coming uh, and basically unless the Penguins traded this pick, 
more than likely, unless unless one of those four guys like Michkov or Fantilli or Carlson fell to the Penguins, uh, they aren't going to be they weren't going to be an NHL in the NHL anytime soon. So uh, yeah, we'll hear more obviously in the coming days. But Braden Yeager is the selection uh, for the Penguins. They now do not have a selection. Uh, until the third round, which will be sometime tomorrow afternoon, Thursday, June 29th. We are recording this uh, in the evening of Thursday, June tw- or Wednesday, June 28th. Uh, there are only uh, one round tonight. The other six rounds are uh, tomorrow. The Penguins will have one, two, three, four, five picks tomorrow. Uh, the third round, the fifth round, the sixth round, and then a pair in the seventh round. So, I don't really, I don't know about you, Gary, but I don't have too much to say on Braden Yeager. That is the selection. He is a center. Um, obviously, is going to be, probably going to be the Penguins' best prospect right now, simply because, just because that that again, this is a deep draft, but simply because that is uh, that prospect pool is so depleted. So any help the Penguins can get, I'd say you kind of take it and um, accept it right now. You could have absolutely made the argument that they could have traded this pick for help in the immediate future alongside Crosby and Malkin. And you would have been well justified in your reasoning to think that way, to trade the pick. This is a player in Jaeger, while the immediate returns are not overly promising from the likes of some of the scouts on social media, this is a pick that is not meant for the short term. This is a player that's not going to be in the NHL probably at least for another two to three seasons. And by that time, everyone keeps saying that by that time, the window will have likely shut, the championship window will have likely shut, and the Penguins can then start looking to build for a future without Crosby and Malkin. But this is a player, like you said, Robbie, who immediately vaults to really the top of the Penguins' very, very, very shallow prospect pool alongside defenseman Owen Pickering from last year. Uh, I definitely get the sense on social media, Robbie, that a player like Gabe Perot or Matthew Wood, there were people I follow on Twitter in my Twitter circle that were are definitely perplexed and questioning the decision uh, of Kyle Dubas. But it's hard to, at the same time, you could definitely have made the argument for Perot. And again, you would have been well justified in doing that as well. But for me... I'm not going to judge an 18-year-old who's probably two or three years away from making his NHL debut, as are a lot of these players at this point in the draft. Once you got out of the top five to seven players, really, those impact forwards who could come in at 18, 19 years old, a lot of these players are going to have to take time to develop either in their junior leagues, in college, in their European leagues before they come over either into the AHL or the NHL. So, it is what it is now. The Penguins, you cannot change history. Braden Yeager is a member of the Pittsburgh Penguins. He is their 14th overall selection in the first round of the 2023 NHL draft. And uh, Robbie, unless you have any other uh, any, any other thoughts on Yeager and where the Penguins stand, as you mentioned it, they will not pick again unless a trade is made, in which case we will keep you uh, notified of that. But they will most likely not pick again until sometime tomorrow afternoon. In the meantime, however, we do have a couple of questions, and we'll make this into sort of a very, very small mailbag because we have a couple of questions that were submitted through Twitter. Thanks to Woody, uh, who was a new question asker 
on this week's most recent Pencast mailbag. And uh, Robbie, I don't have, we'll, we'll basically be doing this live. He has a couple of, he has about four or five questions and we'll, we'll start off with you and go back and forth like we usually do. And we'll just give our instant analysis to these questions that Woody has for us. Question number one from Woody, if Kyle Dubas brings in a general manager, do you believe that he would give the general manager the green light to fire Mike Sullivan and the coaching staff and bring in his own coach and his own coaching staff? Uh, not anytime in the near future. I, I think about that. And I really get the feeling that after what we've heard since Dubas got hired, that Mike Sullivan's leash, which I thought was going to be very short when the season started, I think it's longer than what uh, people believe right now. I think Mike Sullivan has a, uh, assuming they don't start the year like 0 and 10 or something like that. I really think he has a, a much longer leash than what he did um, at the end of the season. And I think it's significantly longer. Uh, they seem to be working well together. And I'm pretty sure, I mean, again, Dubas is going to be one that makes all the final decisions. I don't think uh, Dubas wants his team to reflect him and the general manager would be there to, would still have to answer to Kyle Dubas. So I don't think that any general manager that comes in will have any kind of leeway um, over the the coaching staff. And if he wants to put his input in, then he thinks that they should move on. I'm sure that Kyle Dubas will listen, but I think at the end of the day, it is Dubas's call, and I don't see in any circumstance anytime soon that Mike Sullivan is on his way out of Pittsburgh uh, with everything we've heard with how he's been working with Dubas and uh, their uh, rapport with each other. How do we feel about Max Domi as a potential free agent? Uh, he is, at this time, only 28 years old, uh, and someone that, I mean, has been mentioned uh, with the Penguins in the past. Yeah, there is a sort of familial connection through Mario Lemieux to the Domi family, uh, and Ty Domi, Max's father. Uh, I, if you're a new listener to the Penscast and the Penscast mailbag, Brian and I, who is a frequent question asker, Brian and myself, we were trying to manifest both Jordan Stahl and Max Domi to come to Pittsburgh. I would absolutely be in favor of bringing in a 28-year-old impact forward like Domi. He would definitely be a boost to that top nine he could slot into the top six if injury dictated let me pull up some of Domi's stats right here so he was traded to the Dallas Stars at the the deadline he started the season with the Chicago Blackhawks in 80 games this season he scored 20 goals 36 assists 56 points so you're getting again you're getting that 20 to 25 goal 50 to 60 point that's that's going to be definitely top six production across the NHL. Uh, I do wonder if Domi, since he is an unrestricted free agent, I wonder if either one of his current teams, either the Dallas Stars or the Chicago Blackhawks, I wonder now with Connor Bedard officially being a member of the Blackhawks, if the Blackhawks try and make a run at Domi once again. But he will enter unrestricted free agency, assuming he doesn't sign an extension with the Dallas Stars. And uh, yeah, I would be in favor of bringing in a player of Domi's stature. Five foot 10, 194 pounds. He's not the biggest forward, but at the same time, he plays the game with a lot of grit and sandpaper. Career numbers, he has played 581 games, 121 goals, 370 career points in almost 600 career NHL games. Certainly a player who is no stranger to producing offense 
And uh, yeah, I would absolutely not be uh, not be opposed to bringing in a player like Max Domi. Uh, let's see here. We'll go to another question here. Robbie, would it be smart to sign goaltender Semyon Varlamov if the price was right, just as sort of a stopgap player until the Penguins can develop a younger goaltender? Um, I'm not really sold on that. I think there's other ways that the Penguins can improve the goaltending position uh, without dipping into uh, veterans uh, that old. Uh, again, Varlamo has been around since I believe he was a rookie in the 2008-2009 season. Uh, so not really a young buck anymore. I think there's other options that um, they can explore that would be uh, perhaps a little bit better. Um, he hasn't been the same goalie as he was a couple years ago when he was uh, teaming up with Ilya Sorokin on Long Island to win the Jennings Award as the best goaltending tan- goal tandem. I think there's better options than Semyon Varlamov. I mean, you never say never because it could always come down to need. And if the need's there and the willingness is there from both sides, it can always happen. But uh, overall, I'm not really a fan of that move unless it would be out of necessity, uh, just simply because I think there are better options. Uh, Woody, this is the fourth one he asked here. Uh, would you be in favor of signing JT Comfer, uh, a pending free agent, as our fourth-line center? Yeah, another player, not uh, not much in the same vein as Max Domi, but again, but again, another player that I would absolutely love to bring into the bottom six. In 82 games this season, Comfer scored 17 goals, 35 assists, good for 52 points, and it was a plus eight in 423 career games. Uh, Comfer has scored 88 goals and accrued 194 points. He has spent his entire career with the Colorado Avalanche and again is set to be an unrestricted free agent, only 27 years old, so still very much in his athletic prime as a forward in the NHL. Another solid player who would do wonders to improve what was a very stagnant, dry, unimpressive bottom six for the Penguins last season. So, yeah, I don't think Comfer is going to command a ton of money on the open market given the role that he's been in. This, I believe, was a career season for Comfer in terms of point total. Yes, 52 points this year. His second highest career point total was just last season with Colorado in 70 games played in the 2021-22 season. He had scored 18 goals, 15 assists for 33 points. So a noticeable uptick in production. However, with 52 points being the the benchmark now in your career at 27 years old, that's pretty much top nine, bottom six level production. And with, with those bottom six kind of players you're not obviously going to command as much money as you would uh your your superstars on the open market your elite forward top six forwards or defensemen so comfort absolutely would get my vote along with max domi if they were signed on cheap one or two year deals i have the feeling that's what kyle dubas wants to do bring in players on the open market to very cheap one to two year deals with not a lot of term, not a lot of uh, impact on the salary cap with uh, with where the Penguins are. They have about, even with the Riley Smith trade now, they'll have about 15 to 16-ish million dollars in salary cap, I do believe, to try and figure out if they want to re-sign the likes of Tristan Jari, Brian Dumlin, and any of the other unrestricted or restricted restricted free agents that they have on their roster as well before we get to Saturday, July 1st which is the start of unrestricted free agency. 
Uh, I believe this is the last question from Woody as we close out this sort of mini mailbag. This is a question from Woody, and it's a good question because even as a young person, I'm younger than you, Robbie, I did not watch Barrasso play in his prime with the 91-92 Penguins, but if Tom Barrasso had been more friendly to the media, do you believe Barrasso gets into the Hall of Fame sooner because Barrasso has had a notoriously frosty relationship with members of the local media, the national media, and many, many people believe that that has impacted the the weight that Barrasso had to endure to get into the Hockey Hall of Fame. I definitely think that's a very legitimate uh, thing to bring up because I de- Barrasso was extremely, extremely cold toward the media, almost, fam- almost famously cold toward the media um, his entire career. And you kind of read about some of his what led to that, what kind of things that happened. And it's unfortunate it played out like that, but I definitely think that could have uh, played a role in uh, his delayed induction to the hall of fame. And there was kind of a, I don't want to say it wasn't a freeze on goaltenders. It just seemed like there was a, a while that the goaltenders weren't getting elected to the hall of fame. And um, some people did I mean, openly discuss that. And I definitely think that played a part into at the very least, Mike Vernon and Tom Brasso being elected this year. Um, Brasso, I mean, he does have a Vesna, two Stanley Cups, finalist for a Vesna five times, over 300 wins, which I know, again, aren't the end-all, be-all of uh, goalie stats. But I mean, for his era, I, you have to put him into uh, – you have to kind of look at him in the era he was he was into. He wasn't like a butterfly goaltender. He was there before Brodeur really kind of changed changed uh, the game that way and the way that uh, Waugh did. Now, Waugh was obviously a little bit before him, but he was more of a stand-up goaltender. He wasn't a pure butterfly goaltender. And you, if you kind of, again, guys like Brodeur and Waugh that played the same time he did, justly in the Hall of Fame, no doubt about that. And um, Brasso, again, and he also had the benefit of play, or I guess it wasn't a benefit, but – um, one thing that may have been held against him was he was playing on a team that had like eight other Hall of Famers on it. So uh, I definitely think that hurts as well. But when the media is the one voting on putting you in the Hall of Fame and you are famously, famously, uh, we'll just call rude toward that block, uh, it's definitely not helping your odds, let's put it that way. But uh, that's neither here nor there at this point. I'm sure he's more than happy to have gotten the call regardless of how long it took or how long he thinks uh, it deserved to take or whatever the case. But um, and I, I definitely think that's a completely valid point to bring up uh, his uh, treatment of the media and his long wait to get into the Hall of Fame. And uh, of course, as we sit here uh, earlier in the day, as we put a bow, start to put a bow on this episode of the Pens cast, uh, again, if you're just listening to this and just seeing the news somehow, Riley Smith has been traded from the Vegas Golden Knights to the Pittsburgh Penguins in exchange for a 2024 third round pick. So the Kyle Dubas era has officially begun. The You could argue that the, uh, the Riley Smith trade was the opening salvo to the Kyle Dubas era here in Pittsburgh, but with the Penguins making their first round selection tonight, they will be back in action. Like Robbie mentioned earlier, the Penguins will be back in action tomorrow, June 29th, sometime in the early afternoon as the NHL gets rounds two through seven done 
in the annual NHL entry draft. And then all eyes turn to the start of unrestricted free agency on Saturday, July 1st. And if the Penguins are active on free agency or around free agency within the first couple of days, we will definitely be here at the Skating Penguin Network to break down any and all transactions made as the Penguins now are under the command of Kyle Dubas. Uh, Robbie, do you have anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up this sort of instant analysis edition of the Penscast? Nope, I don't really have anything else. Um, fun time, and I guess we'll see you all next week. Um, with uh, guessing we're going to have a bunch of news uh, the next time uh, we sit down to talk. Yeah, I, I do imagine um, because we would typically record the, the mailbag on Mondays, and I would imagine by Monday – the, the the immediate rush of free agency would have started to die down. A lot of those big name moves are made within like the first 48 to 72 hours. So maybe maybe we, we do a little bit of maybe we combine the, the mailbag and the, the news into one big episode next week and we put it out on Tuesday. Maybe uh, we'll sit down and coordinate that. But until then, I have been Garrett Pahana for Robbie Noggle. Thank you for listening to this instant reaction, instant analysis edition of the Penscast as Kyle Dubas and the Penguins make their first round selection. Braden Yeager is now the newest member of the Pittsburgh Penguins, as is NHL forward Riley Smith coming over from the Vegas Golden Knights. Stay with us here at the Skating Penguin Network and at Fans for Sports Network to bring you all the latest news and notes around the Penguins and the NHL. So for Robbie Noggle, I have been Garrett Bahanna. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Pens Cast, and we will talk to all of you again very soon.